Welcome to this week's episode of Cables, Coffee, and Curveballs with your hosts, the Bald AV Guys. Hey, 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 listeners, welcome back to yet another episode of Cables, Coffee, and Curveballs. We are now season two, episode five. That's right, folks. Uh, today, we have a very special episode, but before I get started, Rich um had something come up last second he's not going to be able to join us so it's going to be me and gopesh on this side of the glass trying to uh you know keep up and and do all the things that rich miller does so go ahead gopesh do you yeah no i'm excited to i have some pretty big shoes to fill in i'm excited to just you know uh fill in rich's spot and uh you know i've been behind the scenes working for you guys and now to actually be on camera again Spot feels pretty nice. Yeah, get the spotlight spot on me. <laughs> Pressure makes diamonds. Pressure <laughs> makes diamond. Crumbles dust. Let's see what you do, Gopesh. <laughs> Feeling good about it. Feeling good. <laughs> um, yep. Turn uh, it over to you, George. Thank you, thank you, Gopesh. You know, last week we had a crazy week. Uh, feels like a blur now, but we had our uh, AV Pace AV Career Summit uh, 2023. 189 folks in attendance wonderful panels it was it was such a great show there was so much to take away we're really really excited then we finished the week off with tim albright in the city with uh, av nation uh podcast with gina sanzavero and george tucker rich and myself so it was been a it's been a crazy week um but today we are back at it recording and we have a very special guest with us today ernie beck um ernie if you've listened to the show i don't introduce our guest because I tend to butcher everything. So I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. All right. Well, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ernie Beck. Um, George, thanks for having me on. And uh, Gopesh, I think it's fair to say that I might not be the only uh, nervous person on the call here today. Um, so uh, <laughs> see, we'll see who uh, who comes out on top here. But uh, <laughs> happy that you're on as well for Rich. And uh, unfortunately, Rich, uh, hopefully Rich gets his... Um, uh, his uh, car situation sorted out, but um, yeah. So I'm Ernie Beck. I'm a I'm a I guess about a 15 year um, veteran in the AV industry, and I currently work for uh, NV5 or a, a large global engineering and consulting company, and I work in the building technologies practice. and And so we do everything from uh, audiovisual, IT, security, uh, acoustics, and then um, I'm also uh, helping to sort of lead and push efforts for our intelligent building and uh, smart campus um, design services, which sort of leverages um, all, all different disciplines within NV5. So, uh, you know, without going into all everything, because it's a lot, um, it, you know, sort of blending the blurring the lines between, you know, AV, IT, lighting, sustainability, energy, analytics, data, all of that, all that stuff. So, um, and AI, which is something we're we're finding more and more prevalent, and more and more of our clients are asking for it. So I think this is a this is a, a good conversation to have. So um, yes, I have watched your show, and I hope I didn't butcher my intro. Uh, and Not I, at all. It and was I, perfect. It was perfect. All right. And looking at the, the guests you've had on in the past, I I'd say I'm I'm uh, I got big shoes to fill myself. So um, very very happy to be here. We're very glad that you could join us. And uh, it sounds like NV5 definitely keeps you busy. Is it they're just not hiring enough people and just saying, hey, Ernie, take this on or <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I mean, you, I mean, I'll, 
you know, all joking aside, and I think you did a great job last week. I, I sort of saw the, the the social media feeds about what what you all were doing with um, helping to promote the the industry on a larger scale. And I mean, the challenge is, is we just don't have enough. We don't have enough of a, of a workforce. Pipeline. Something I've been uh, it's been sort of a personal crusade of mine for many years. Um, I'm also in addition to NB5, I'm also uh, sort of on the, the tech tech planning board um, for one of the few uh, AV training trade specific programs, schools um, on the East Coast. It's called the Sheffield Institute. That's where I study. I got my audio engineering uh, background, um, but they are really hyper focused on the AV tech uh, trade um, workforce development slant. And so I, I love what you're doing over there, George. I think that's really wonderful. And um, hopefully it's starting to bear fruit and we're starting to see more uh, smarter guys than us like Gopesh in the industry. Yeah, the, I really hope so. Cause I, you know, I stumbled into this industry as, as most of us have. So, you know, let's, let's touch on that, Ernie. Like what is your story with the AV industry? You said you, you have a little background with the uh, Sheffield um, Institute and, you know, my story, I've said it so many times, is I stumbled in. I started as a student worker, and here I am, you know, 20-plus years later. What's your story? What, what's Ernie Beck's audiovisual story? Yeah, you know, and without talking, you know, I don't want to I don't want to make it too much about me, but, uh, you know, my background, you know, I'm one of the few people that did study AV in school. So, again, at Sheffield, they had a, a very small, you know, they – they have a program for video editing and video creation, which is, you know, was picking out people who are doing uh, or, or producing students who were able to, you know, shoot videos and create content. They had an audio program or they have an audio program, which is teaching students how to record, mix, and master live sound. And those classes were full. The one class that wasn't very full was this little class called TechWorks. And TechWorks was where they had oscilloscopes and soldering irons and um, circuit boards and and cables and you know, equipment racks and I'm going okay what this is interesting what's but, going on there yeah what's going on there that's interesting and uh, and to come to find out that everyone who goes through that program gets a job uh -huh. okay well okay that's that's interesting um, and so I went back I went for, through the program originally for audio thinking I was gonna turn my passion for music so you don't what you don't see on my wall is a bunch of guitars and you know, I've got some amps over here, but uh, try to turn my passion for music into something. And I also love technology. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of got my foot in the door with audio and then and then saw that there's a tech slant to this. And so I took that course, that, that, that trade program um, and started as a technician. And uh, so I, it was it was I wouldn't say I fell into it. There was some intention behind it. But I will tell you that I had no idea at the size and scale and the opportunities the industry would bring me when I got into it. I just thought, okay, I can't teach guitar forever. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to have a paid sick day. I'd like to put money in a 401k eventually. And um, I can't do that working freelance teaching music. So, uh, so I, I got to start as a technician. And um, after a few months in the field, they realized I was not a good technician. Uh, lost probably a couple expensive parts in the field. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but that's they how you learn. that's how you learn. Right. Uh, but, but I did, I did, you know, sort of cut my teeth pulling cables and, um, hang, you know, climbing up uh, scaffolding and getting in the cherry picker and being super nervous and, um, yeah. 
And, and so that, but I realized soon that I, I loved um, systems design and I, and I liked, I had a customer, I had a customer service background, you know, from just kind of having jobs as a teenager, sure. young adult. So balancing my customer service, you know, kind of natural skills with um, system design, which is kind of like building a big puzzle. Like if someone just dumped a thousand piece puzzle on the table, that's what a system design was to me. And it always surprised me that at the end of the day, I was able to take that puzzle and build it and have something that was functional. And then to see how those puzzles actually brought joy and meaning to certain clients um, and how if it's, you know, it solved a problem for them. And that's uh, a, that's a fantastic analogy. I just want to say that it's, it's putting pieces of a puzzle together. Absolutely. That's a, that's, that's top notch analogy. And, and Ernie, we've worked on a couple of projects together recently. um, uh, And we five and paste my nine to five hat. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you know, I'm, I'm truly impressed how, how you guys approach the design process and understand, you know, the entire process of um, it's easy for me as, as the client to say, Hey, I want X, Y, X, Y, Z, right. I want, NVX, I want wireless power, I want all this stuff. And, and then early, Ernie will be like, you know what, we got you NVX. How about we tone down that wireless power portion of your request? <laughs> well, you know, you know, at the end of the day, you're we're we're trying to make you happy. Um, but one of the sort of the art forms of AV consulting, which which I spent, you know, I spent the better part of 10 years in integration, and I thought it was a it was a really great spot for me to learn. But what you learn in the consulting side is that um, there are there are so many factors at play, so many stakeholders, right. uh, and if you just kind of boil it down to its simplest form, we are trying to thread that needle of what delivers, you know, solutions that meets the common denom- the most common denominator for most of the people using the space. What threads the needle with what George and his standards that he's developed, right? These are meticulous standards that have been, they're not just, you don't just pull them out of thin air. They, they come from somewhere, right? With a, little cra- with, a, with a little hint of crazy, but. With a little hint of crazy, there's, but there's a method to the madness. And so, you know, you, 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 we throw that, but then we have, okay, well, what is the, what is the, you know, what's in the walls of the existing building, right? Can we even get into this because of, of asbestos? You know, what is the project budget? Um, you know, dictate for us? What does the timeline dictate for us? There is all these, there's all these other factors. And so it, it's a, it's a delicate dance. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we need to work on it, but um, you know, long story short, that's my, that's my story in the industry. And, and uh, I would say that um, AV has been sort of a gateway drug for me uh, in that at some point, I realized that AV is one piece of kind of a larger infrastructure around experience, user experiences within the building. And that's where I got more into, I, I focus a lot more now into broader topics like, um, you know, smart buildings and how they enhance and deliver user experiences, sustainability, health and wellness, um, you know, energy conservation, operational efficiency, all those things. So that's a great story because it's been so, it's been a little different because you have a little bit of background with the engineering and the AV. It's, it's been a little different than almost all of our other guests who fell into the industry like me. So, you know, but I want to harp on that. Um, 
it is it's a beautiful industry it's a wonderful industry we we you know we go about the same circles and we know the av family is a tight-knit group and you know it, it's it's really time to grow that group but yeah this show this show i want to talk about the elephant in the av industry elephant in any industry right now right and you 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 you, you touched on it smart building smart rooms ai right that's all the rage. My first question to you, flat out: Do you think it's a fad, like a 3D TV, or you think it's a it's real? It's here. It's going to be adopted. Well, I, I will never call uh, 3D TV a fad because I have a Panasonic 3D TV that I bought uh, in 2014, and it Fair was enough. it was one of my first big purchases as a as an adult. No, 2013, first big purchases when I uh, bought my house with my wife, and uh, yeah. The 3D glasses have no idea where they are. And uh, <laughs> I was going to say, how many glasses have you purchased over the years? Yeah, not, not, yeah, you can't buy enough because they just, they never work. So, um, yeah. so to that, to that, to that end though, uh, no, <laughs> AI is, is absolutely not a flash in the pan. It is not a fad. It is um, evolving faster than I think anybody really understands. Uh, well, not anybody, but I would say that I would say the the vast majority of people um, understand really, truly how powerful it is and how exponential it grows. It's not on a it's not on a linear growth curve. It's on a very much exponential growth curve. So um, if we don't I mean, I think a lot of the things we're going to probably talk about today are sort of looking into our crystal ball about where. AI's fit is within AV and, and smart spaces and smart buildings. And so while some things may not be true today, mm -hmm. it's only a matter of time until they are 100% application based and, and something we see on, on a regular basis. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we when we talk about AI in IT and networking, we talk, we, we, we think about network optimization, we think about bandwidth and all this kind of stuff, right? So when it comes to AV, and, and you know this, I'm a big, big, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm big on the AV over IP uh, situation oh, right now. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, AV over IP, the bandwidth needs, the, the network needs are so demanding. Mm -hmm. it, it's so overpowering, really. Is there a way we could leverage? I mean, they both probably eventually, if not already, go hand in hand. But can we somehow, like, for instance, so if I, if I go to my network guy and say, listen, I want to do um, 4K video. I was about to go full technical and say 4K, 6444. I want to send 10 feeds of 4k video simultaneously i want to stream uh, commencement on every single digital signage tv um, mm -hmm. while there are three exams going on over here that use the wi-fi i'm pretty sure the entire networking department is going to have a serious fit right so <laughs> as they should <laughs> <laughs> what can we use ai to mitigate those like bandwidth latency issues or somehow figure out how that bandwidth is allocated yeah i mean I, I think so you would absolutely have a better sense of how it would impact your your specific environment and and every client we talk to has somewhat different um levels of 
uh, different thresholds for the amount of AV traffic they'll allow in their environment and what networks they touch and what, what can go on, what can't go on and what security measures are and access. But I think, I think it starts, I think, I think the, the opportunity starts with something like using AI for, you know, automated network configuration. So, mm -hmm. so when, when we put a device on the network, you know, as you know, in years past, it's very much okay. Well, I've got to now configure my network for the device, or I've got to configure the device for the network. Um, and and so I think what we would really like to see is sort of network topologies be able to um, automatically, you know, using sort of you know AI driven uh, network algorithms to optimize. So if I put something on the network, it's gonna it's gonna basically optimize whatever ports those are on. It's gonna set um, you know, things like, uh, you know, your quality of service. So, 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 you know, sort of automated quality of service driven things. So you tell, you know, sort of like training a, a chat GPT bot, you say, okay, these are the things that I want to prioritize or we need to prioritize in our QoS. And from there, we're going to look at traffic and we're going to automatically um, optimize those routes. And, and we're going to look at demand. We're going to almost like, almost like energy demand. We're going to look at, you know, active network demand. And then using, you know, the nice thing about AI is that it's, you know, you sort of build in the machine learning element where it's using historical data on on network trend and network usage throughout uh, maybe a six month time frame. And then it's it's allowing for it's automatically scaling things up and down. So I take that same device instead of me spending all this time or spending all this money on an integrator to configure it for me, it's it, it's basically plug and play to the network. The network is smart enough to start uh, to do those automatic configurations. And then, and then it knows, okay, I might be ingesting and putting, you know, trying to put 4K60 on the network, but because I'm at peak time right now, I only have so much QoS reserved for these particular ports, it could automatically, um, you know, sort of, throttle that as needed. So maybe it's a matter of taking it from 4K uh, 60, 444 color space to a 422 color space or 420 color space, or maybe even 1080p. I was um, going to say, yeah, drop it down to 1080p because. Right. So, I mean, that would be, you know, th that would be sort of like where I see it starting is, is, is looking at, you know, traffic flow patterns, um, looking at sort of quality of service, and then using sort of predictive maintenance and machine learning algorithms to say, okay, well, based on historical trends, here's how we can expect, um, you know, to, to sort of partition our network correctly or, or allocate bandwidth correctly in our in our space. You, you touched on predictive. Um, um, predictive maintenance. Maintenance. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. it was, it, all of a sudden I forgot the word maintenance. Uh, it's word, yeah. <laughs> it, it, this happens to me a lot. Um, so, you know, I'm curious. Now you said, you know, peak time, this, you know, throttle the bandwidth and all this kind of stuff. Let's touch on preventative maintenance for, for real quick. If I'm, if I'm in a classroom, you know, we have, we have a, a classroom technology cycle of four to five years. Um, obviously it goes from room to room because if you have a laser projector, there's really no reason to change it every four to five years. You let that go a little longer and then, you know, as technology trends change, but, when I'm looking at my uh, when I'm looking at my podium, my rack, my my central system, my processing system, yeah. is there things I can do using AI as a as a, a preventative maintenance 
to increase the longevity? And does that give me more time on my purchase, on my tech, as opposed to having a four to five year? Is it realistic to say, all right, now you're looking at a replacement cycle of a five to six years, or is it just in the moment break fix kind of a preventative maintenance type thing? No, that's a that's a really good question. And I, I think I think it's twofold. I think um, I think one of the nice things about or one of the powerful things rather about AI is its ability to take trend to trend large data sets. Hmm. And all of your devices are are putting out some type of data, right? And so assuming that the that there is sort of a, a, a key performance indicator or KPI that is supposed to be met by the, you know, by the system on a daily basis, you know, AI should be able to be trained and it, and, and this is used in much more complex at uh, mission critical systems, like, you know, large HVAC systems and, and, you know, other energy management systems now. So there's no reason it can't be done. Um, right. And those systems have, tens of thousands of data points as opposed to hundreds of data points. So um, when you can trend large sets of data, you can do things like anomaly detection, right? Where, where this is your, you know, this is your KPI. And, and this is, this is my interpretation of a graph. It makes complete sense to me. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah. Think of it as, <laughs> right. So your EKG is healthy, right? right. But the moment that a, a particular device is, it, is experiencing an anomaly you might never know it you might never see it you might not even perceive it but the fact that a fan is starting to fail is causing a temperature increase right and so now instead of the ekg looking healthy the ekg is dipping down and coming back up it's dipping down and it's coming back up and that anomaly can then trigger an alert and that alert can then be used to say okay what's going on with this is this a real problem or is this, is this an anomaly that needs, you know, identified and we need some sort of, um, we need to be proactive about fixing it? Or is this just normal, sometimes, you know, we know about this issue. And right. I think that's, that's where we have to sort of look realistically at this and say, um, you know, AI is not yet going to solve those issues. And we hear about self-optimizing self networks and like you hear some liter you hear some marketing material on like self-healing networks, right. things like that. And at the end of the day, the data is only as good as the actions taken to on that data. Right. So it might be telling you, hey George, you know, your NVX or your let's not we'll always say your AV over IP um, wall plates, right? Uh, and I'm not saying anyone in particular has this issue. This is just a general disclaimer. <laughs> Blanket statement. Blanket statement, right? We'll come back to that later. Um, but, <laughs> uh, wall plates. Uh, my my AV over IP wall plates. All of them are trending hot. And I know that because I'm getting I'm, I'm getting reports on that from my, you know, from my AI network optimization dashboard. And right. so it's your job to say, OK, well, here's the data. What is the, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to go in and rip all those out and, right. and and change them out so that I don't have a failure or is do I not have the budget to do that right now? And I just have to say, OK, these I've, I bought these three years ago. If I can get another year out of them. Not great, but hey, it's better than nothing. 
Right. And really, so really AI is is it's it's just like you know, AI is a is a tool. It's another tool, it's a very powerful tool. Right. Um analytical tool. It's an but it's an analytical tool, but but AI is not gonna is not gonna dispatch somebody yet. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. With a with a tool belt or or you know a cable tester or an RMA form, it's not going to do that yet. You still have to take action on that data. I think that's, so I think um, the answer is it's really kind of like up to the organization. So it can be used as a tool to augment your staff and and not replace your staff. But right. then also, how are you going to act on the things that it's telling you? Until the matrix happens and those little gizmos come out of your network, those little spider robot looking things go in and they start fixing stuff and then you know you're good to go then all of a sudden we don't need me anymore we can only hope right exactly until you have like the boston dynamics robot come in. you're like oh that's a robotic dog <laughs> there must be something wrong oh, yeah. oh, and he just plugs in an hdmi cable back to the wall <laughs> did it really yeah. pay for that yeah yeah but, uh, but the, the whole the whole point of predictive maintenance is that it, it tries to, you know, it tries to analyze and get ahead of those issues ahead of time. Yeah. So, so it's going, hey, uh, George, Gopesh, every time we get to three o'clock on a Tuesday or a Wednesday in between September and December, your your quality of service, you know, cash is is maxed out, or we or we don't have any, you know, we're we're now. We're now throttling everything or we're, you know, we're having to truncate some services. Um, what do you want to do about that? Right. And so I think that's that's the, the predictive element of it is really fascinating because it it's sort of it's it's sort of looking at, hey, this is what could come. And if you remember when we first when you and I probably first got into the industry, problems happen. But if we don't catch them, they manifest, right. they, they fester. And when they right. fester, they just continually turn into it costs a lot more money later. <laughs> uh, let, let's come off the network real quick and let's go into a space. Let's go into a classroom, a conference room, whatever it is. Right. Sure. Um, I think I saw uh, Chris Neto and Jen. They had the Midwich um, session. I think they saw Qsys self um, self framing cameras okay. and um, Avixa had a webinar this this afternoon that Yealink was talking about their uh, AI cameras and you know everyone everyone we're we're a copycat industry when it comes down to certain things well a lot of things and <laughs> everyone is coming out with like a AI based camera now, right oh, so yeah. in in uh, over at Infocom last year I saw Hudley had the the L ones the AI cameras we were blown away by it. like yeah. oh my god that looks amazing. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's a pretty impressive product. Uh, uh, now it seems like everyone's doing it. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. my question is, from an education perspective, from a higher ed perspective, does that really enhance the teaching and learning process? I know, you know, the post-pandemic has made us hyper aware of web conferencing and all these kind of things. Is it critical to enhance a teaching learning process um what are the benefits so yeah. to speak of of that kind of technology in the classroom because a lot of times i guess get asked this question you know this i get you know it's like do we really need to put all that in the room you know unfortunately my answer is starting to become well that's all that's available right now so yeah. so you know what is your take on that well i i think 
had the had the pandemic, I mean, had the pandemic not happened, a lot of things would be different. Right. Um, but I think the pandemic threw gasoline on a slow burning fire uh, it, for all businesses, well for all businesses and all universities, which was we are we need to we need to address you know hybrid learning and it's funny is hybrid is this term that's like ubiquitous now and it's like for for us it's like this is just We've been doing it forever yeah we had never called it hybrid we called it distance learning right distance right. learning we called it video conferencing we called it right you know, whatever hybrid but i get it you know whatever gets people into it that's fine by me um hybrid high flex well there's so many yeah, names to it yeah so so okay to to I'm trying to think of the best way to, to, to answer your question. I think it depends on, on who you ask. I think in some cases, you know, professionals like yourself, you just want to get high quality video and audio that's consistent and as low maintenance as possible. And that right. delivers a, a great product that students care about and can right. use and consume. And so while that may sound like a low bar, it's actually a really hard bar to hit sometimes. Right. right? So, but, but the people who are also in charge of, of kind of um, thinking about broader issues, I'm not saying you're not, you're not in charge of that. I just know right. that you're also, you're in the trenches a lot of times, you know, trying to, trying to make a lot of taking grenades. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a super, I mean, that's a super important job there, but there are also people who sort of, you know, we work with a lot of architects and architects are very much focused on, um, you know, the, the triple bottom line, right? Which is, you know, people, people, profit, planet, right? Or, right. you know, social, economic and environmental, right? Whatever those, those three pillars of sort of how do we check all those off? And so this, when you look at like sort of the people, social element of things, um, the pandemic really sort of furthered this widening gap in, in um, digital equity and, you know, down here in, in I'm, I'm outside of Baltimore um, and in Baltimore City, when the pandemic hit, there was, I think, an ABLE Foundation um, study said that there was something like close to 75,000 households that had one or fewer um, now internet connected devices. Now, that could just be a cell phone. So imagine, you know, pandemic hits, schools close, no one can go in person. And so now everyone's learning on, you know, a phone. A single laptop, really huge problem. And so, when you when you sort of fast forward and to where we are in, in coming up in twenty twenty four, this idea of meeting equity, where some people are still remote, whether or not you agree with remote, hybrid, whatever, people are going to be remote. It's just what it is. So, right. so I think addressing that and having things like you know automatic speaker recognition, being able to frame an individual or being able to reframe the group. One, it, it sort of helps the, you know, obviously there's just the inherent benefit of it. It's less touches on a, you know, we used to set up presets on the touch panel and right. they were unlabeled and people right. had no idea. But for me, you guys like, oh yeah, just hit preset two and that will zoom into the, it'll zoom into the chair in the left corner of the room. It's like, right. like I had no idea it did that. <laughs> right. Until someone accidentally hit the camera and then it was zooming somewhere else. Right. And, and not to mention the fact that the majority of people really don't like using the majority of non-AV people really don't like using the touch panel. They just want right. it to turn on 
they don't, they're not camera producers. They're not shot producers. They just want to turn it on. So, so for first, I think something like speaker tracking, speaker, you know, fa like facial recognition for speaker tracking is it breaks it, it like it sorts to starts to break down a barrier to entry right. for using the AV. But then for people who are on the far end, oh, George is talking, the camera pans to him. I can see what he's saying. I can see his facial expressions and things like that. That's so, a really good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, not to be long winded here, but I think that um, there is absolutely it's it's, you know, like you said, once one company does it and figures it out, another company does it, figures it out and then it just becomes ubiquitous. Right. Um, but I think if we if we look at if we kind of dive into that idea of meeting equity, I think this is where AI, you know, camera algorithms and software and and meeting equity can really kind of take off. And, and so some of the ideas that I'm seeing um, kind of kind of be talked about more and, and played around, you know, some, you know, there's some NDA circles that us consultants have that we, you know, we're, you know, with manufacturers, we can't, we can't go full kimono on this, but I mean, you know, things like, um, like uh, ASL recognition, right? So, you know, we have things like, you know, you, you could do transcription with, right. with cameras. Um, and translation, but um, right now, no one has really yet coming. Yeah. Can we turn? Can we use those same algorithms to um, to to take and interpret uh, American Sign Language, um, which I think is is great. When you couple that with real time transcription and, and uh, translation, you have um, you know you really have kind of an opportunity to cater it to people who have. Um, special needs and 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 don't have you know 2020 vision or you know yeah that's really going to change the accessibility game when that happens i know i've heard people talk about it i don't know what the status of that so to speak is right now but i've heard of it in, in the circles and man would that be a game changer it would it would and and i think what it's going to do is i think it's going to have you know i remember back in 2010 when um, the Obama administration passed new legislation for the um, Americans with Disability Act, basically a huge sweeping update to the Americans with Disabilities Act program. One right. of the things that that was required at all federal facilities um, was any 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 federal facility that had a speech reinforcement or sound reinforcement system required assistive listening. Hmm. Not only is it the listening system, but then signage outside the, the room that comes in, the, the same. comes in those kits that says this, this is right. equipped assistive listening. Right. And, and at the time, we the integrator I worked for had a big contract with the National Park Service. And guess what? We went all over the country putting in assistive listening systems. We at the time, though, we also found that all those systems were held together with bubble gum and chewing, you know, right. <laughs> tape. And so don't give away all our secrets, Ernie. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Gaff tape and chewing gum. Right. And, and so we did a lot. We did a lot of things. But what, I, what I'm what I'm getting at is that I wouldn't be surprised if that that was 10 years, 13 years. Jeez, 13 Jeez. years. Ago. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw future legislation mandating um, yeah. mandating that uh, systems that are used, you can't mandate it for private institutions, but at, at the federal level, that they have the ability to say, hey, you know, you're putting in this AV system, you've got to make accommodations for people who 
are hard of hearing, hard of sight, um, you know, that are that are um, aren't able to make it into the office because of a because of a health condition. Health condition, right? And so I, I I go back to another sort of going back to like the my grassroots here. I remember I did a federal project again, thirteen plus years ago, and the mandate was well one of their one of their employees was blind. And so they said, we got to make these systems accommodated. Uh, you know, we have to accommodate the blind. Right. And so, you know, we we basically created video conference, polycom poly, video conference systems with um, with voice recognition. So we used right. like we used, you know, what they used in robotics at the time. Right. So voice recognition training modules, you train it to say something and it fires a contact closure. And then we even custom brailled extron button panels so that on off volume up volume down source select things like that so the beauty is i think when you talk about meeting equity and ai is that it can solve a lot of those challenges without requiring these super bespoke extremely expensive systems that are have big learning curves um and and you know it's i think it creates a better experience so ultimately i don't think it's I don't think it's buzz. I think it's I think it's real, and I think there's actually some decent impact, you know, society. Yeah. You know, without going off into too much of a tangent, it's funny because when you said the when you said told told me your story, I just remember just last week, um, George Red from CTI told us a bit of a story about when they, you know, this is some time back, obviously, uh, and for perspective, by the way, 2010, 13 years ago, I still had hair, so just putting that out there, uh, um, but. Um, you know, Red had mentioned that he did a project where he had installed hearing hearing uh, listening devices, yep. and just seeing the faces of the folks once you could you could just see it. You know, what I mean, it's like fulfilling. It's like really a warm feeling. And we have so many stories in the AV industry, so we can. Our industry is a beautiful industry that can really help assist and you know. Yeah. We don't care for the spotlight, the limelight, any of that. So it's a, it's a, it's you know, without going off too far no, on the soapbox moment, no, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful industry. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think so. When I one of the so many avenues I can go down here, George, but I, you know, one <laughs> of the things I I try and talk about when I'm when I'm meeting. So so the smart building world has been predominantly dominated by the major like critical systems in the building. So it's it's predominantly been an HVAC centric, MEP centric industry. Right. Right. And, and that's important because those systems are big energy users. And, you know, how many times have you gone into a room and you're like, this room is freaking freezing. So you turn it right. off a bit. My then, office this morning. Right. And so there, you know, the number of hot cold calls is just like, it's the number one service, service ticket in most buildings, you right. know, when when we have a projector that doesn't work, you have to reschedule a class, or right. you have to do something else. When you have a air handler that is faulty and and not running at its optimal performance, it, it costs a lot of energy, a lot of money. <laughs> right. But that said, one of the things I'm trying to do is evangelize AV as okay. You know, you're only thinking about you're you're thinking about one element of a smart building. I'm thinking about the fact that AV is kind of AV to me is the it's the eyes and ears and mouth. It's the sensory organs of the building itself. It's the way yeah. that humans both communicate and interact with the building and the building systems and the media and, and the, the you know, if you think of the cloud as the brain, your projector right. 
displays, your speakers, your microphones, those are the eyes and ears, nose, mouth of the, of the actual building itself. Yeah. And so the more intelligent we are at the edge, the more intelligent we are in the cloud and the better those outcomes are for people who are in the room. Yeah, and this is amazing because you know AV has been doing this. We've been we've been doing this for so long with occupancy sensors, and you can see I'm getting excited. I'm about to go off on a major tangent, so I want to stop myself. But you know, it's like go, <laughs> George, dive in. <laughs> we do we do sensors, and we can do HVAC, and we can do lights, and we can do projectors and screen schedulers. We could go nuts with all this, and really, for us, it's really the long-term picture, the big picture, as opposed to, yes, the right now may cost X amount of dollars, but the long game, you save so much, you get so much done, you save energy. It's just, it's mind-blowing what we have been able to do even before this AI boom right now. And folks, I want you guys to know there is a wonderful, wonderful article that Ernie has written on the on launch.com on smart cities. Go fetch. I'm sure you can scroll that some way, somehow yeah, in this no, definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah. when we publish it. But you know, it's definitely worth reading. I read it before. It's it's amazing. Um Ernie, I feel like we can do a whole nother show on this, and maybe we will. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here and, and that we haven't even gotten into some of the, you know, I think some of these, um, again, kind of looking into our crystal ball here, right? I don't think this is, this is woo woo stuff. I think this is like real deal stuff. So like, think about what else can, you know, we had, we had shared a link back and forth on AI camera, you know, AI camera technology before just to sort right. of get the creative juices flowing. Right. And I think when you look at things like, let's go back to meeting equity and talk about, um, you know, like agenda management. Okay. What does that mean? Much like this call where I'm dominating most of the discussion. Okay. Could AI say for the better, by the way, for the better, <laughs> I don't want to hear me. Well, well, you know, but I mean, could AI be used to say, um, you know, give the, give the teacher a, a personalized alert that says, we've noticed that Ernie has been talking significantly more than Gopesh. Please call on Gopesh next and puts him up in the right. queue, right? So that is just using the same algorithm that we're using for facial recognition that says uh, the camera has spotlighted on me, but it's right. also recognized that there's other people in the room and there and and it's comparing those values, okay? Spotlight time versus unspotlight time and then saying okay well what does that equal that equals someone is not talking so maybe there's yeah. a reason and it and and it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to just mute me and go to gopesh but maybe it gives the teacher the opportunity to some more information yeah hey you know what you know what you, i have you know think about it like this what if a teacher had a dashboard it, it live analytics in their in their call that said i mean i'm sure we can all identify with this we've all been on a call where if you had every person's name and the number of times they they interacted, call, yeah. then then it might if everyone had that. Think about it, if everyone saw that. Someone right. like myself might say, "Man, I'm really talking a lot right now. Shouldn't have yeah. shouldn't have given me my my afternoon coffee." Or you know, I've been talking seventy five percent of this call. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna let Gopesh speak now, right? So yeah. I think those are some really cool kind of like nuanced opportunities where I think there's there's some really yeah. interesting Kopesh will tell you that that would not bother me from speaking continuously <laughs> but <laughs> let's let's switch lanes I think we definitely will need to get you on a on a second episode to continue this conversation but let's switch gears for a little bit and do let's do something that Rich likes to call streaming season I will do what he does I don't know why but I'm going to do it because he does it this is a uh, 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we call it streaming season SZN, like the kids call it with the slang oh. and all that kind of stuff. We oh. have a we have a bet going. There's a list of top 20 slangs for 2023, and Rich has to incorporate all 20 before this year ends. Um, so he's missed his opportunity today. So he's got very few episodes left <laughs> year out in his 20 <laughs> slangs. Um, so you know, streaming season, basically, what are you watching these days, Ernie? Do you have anything? cool you're watching that our listeners can can catch on because you know it's holidays and yeah we're running out of shows <laughs> i know right and it's the thing is we have so many shows and not enough time to watch them all um you know uh it, it, if i'm if i'm hanging out with my wife she loves anything true crime um okay honestly to the point where i can't even name what true crimes are watching right now but we're watching <laughs> right. something about um some kidnappings on blood mountain which was you know i'm like another true crime and then of course five minutes later i'm like do you think he did it um, <laughs> um i myself have been um i've actually tried to get back into more reading as of late so what's coming up off the top of my head is um trying to read uh killers of the flower moon um which is that new scorsese film that came out yeah, I, yeah. I bought the book a year ago it sat on at, at sat and collected dust on my shelf and i'm like i've got to read this because i want to yeah. watch that movie um i really want to watch that movie yeah mm, and yeah. so far has been an absolute page turner david grant is a great he um he's a great author he wrote the lost city of z which mm. is about uh percy fawcett who um was looking for el dorado in the amazon mm -hmm. incredible story lately i i just started watching the show called obliterated on netflix okay yeah. And uh, after watching that show and after listening to you, I think there is value in picking up a book because that show is so bad. But it's one of those shows that are so bad that you can't help but keep watching the train wreck thinking, like, how bad is this going to keep getting? Like, yeah. is there a possibility they're going to dig themselves out of the hole or is this hole going to get deeper? I want to know either ways. Yeah. Uh, and, and you just you just jogged my memory because. Um... Well, because streaming has now gone back to this model of of trickling out as opposed like we went through like we societally went through like a, a binge period and then we're like that I waited a year for this and it's over it's over in a day. What? So, <laughs> so I've been really into I really love all the Fargo series. Um if you haven't watched them, they're hilarious and very dark and, and it's funny every time um Every time we get done watching uh, an episode of Fargo, my wife and I talk like we're from Minnesota for like the next day. And <laughs> like, what? Why are you talking like that? Uh, I am always, I'm a forever um, British Bake Off fan. Uh, mm. I don't know if you guys watch that, but uh, I just love, I, I, I love all things British for some reason. And I love to cook and I love to bake. And that's kind of how I de-stress, and that's what I do on, you know, on Sundays. So I watch that because it is like, it is like catnip for some reason. So um, next time we're on a call together, Ernie, I'm going to try to break out the British accent for you. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I won't be doing that. But real quick, I know you're a ball. I know you're from Baltimore, so I'm assuming you're a big Baltimore Raven fan. It's a good time to be a Raven fan. Great. Um, yeah. Any Super Bowl predictions for the show? Well, I was just. I mean, seeing what 
uh, 49ers did with uh, with the Eagles. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we have another uh, another Super Bowl uh, Ravens versus uh, versus San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I love San Francisco. We, we beat them once. We'll beat them again. <laughs> <laughs> And they can't turn the lights off and try and ice us like they did last. Year. So, well, uh, if you if you believe in the NFL scripts, the this year's colors are purple and red, so it's supposed to be uh, Ravens and uh, San Francisco. That's 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 dabble, been the trend. I dabble, into, I dabble into some conspiracy theories. I mean, <laughs> real here, so. uh, when you're when you're a giant and a Met fan, that's about all you have left is conspiracy. <laughs> so you know, sorry, it's not, it's not a Mets fan. Um, so the last part of the show is we do, we, we attempt a dad joke or a ball joke. So Ernie, if you have one, feel free to jump in. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I was talking to my kids the other day and I was telling them, so I, you know, a musician and I said, um, guys, I was thinking about getting into getting back into playing music again with, with a band. So I, so I actually talked to some friends and, uh, we, we had a band, we, we created a new band we called blanket. And uh, my son says, okay, what kind of music do you guys play? And I said, we're a cover band. <laughs> Get it? That's a pro moment. That's going to be, go fetch to take care of that. Well done. And now see, now I come, now I can connect the dots. You said blanket more to come on that earlier in the show. There you well go. Well done, yeah. sir. You got it. Yep. All right. You All right. came go prepared. All that out. All that out. <laughs> no, no, that's a good one. That stays. I'll tell you okay. what. You did a dad joke, so I'll do a ball joke. Okay, go for it. Yeah. What do you call a barber who only works on bald people? What do you call a barber who only works on bald people? Oh, boy. I, I don't know. No idea. An air stylist. <laughs> they're supposed to be bad. They're, they're meant to be bad. But... People falling over on that one too. Like it's the whole thing. It's all the part on the rim shot. Yeah. You know, the problem is they're only X amount of ball jokes. So it's really hard to but anyways, they're supposed to be bad. So it works. I, I follow a uh, I follow a uh, a dad because I'm a dad. I follow a dad jokes uh, Instagram account, and so every day I get like a new one. I'm like, that was good. That was yeah, good. I think I think we probably follow the same one because it's the daily <laughs> jokes that come up. So that's a part of being the response, part of the job description for dads. You're getting signing up for that uh, Instagram channel. Um, Ernie, thank you so much for joining us, and I really think we need a second episode at some point to continue this conversation. What a great conversation! I would um, love, to, I would love to do it, George. This was this went by way faster than any other, you know, podcast I've done. So thank you so much, Gopesh. Thank you for letting me speak the whole time. Um, <laughs> and I would, I would be honored to come back anytime, George. Thank you so much. Uh, let me tell you, I found out Gopesh can talk, and man, can he talk! He really <laughs> shocked me on the student panel last week. But all right, yeah, <laughs> before I keep going off on that. that a, thank you again, and, and folks, remember: be kind, stay steady, help someone, check in on an old friends, and have a good Great. cup of joe for us. For us. Take, care. Take care. Thanks for watching, everyone. And until next time, this has been a Bald AV Guys production. Take care.